Here's your host, Alex Garrett. And welcome inside to the Sports Hour with Alex Garrett. And it is the Monday after week one of the Jets and the Giants. And it's a very big post-9-11 weekend show today. I mean, look, if you were there on Saturday night with the Yankees and Mets, it was a special night. Bobby Valentine, Joe Torre, first pitch uh, members there. Torre obviously managing the Yankees through 2001. And really, Valentine managing the Mets in 2001. And really, both of them managed not only the Mets, but the city. The city after 9-11 was in tatters. But then, September 21st, 2001, Piazza and the Mets do their thing against the Braves. You know how that went. And that was led by Bobby Valentine and Joe Torre leading his squad into the World Series, a very epic one, even though the Yankees lost. So seeing those two united, seeing the Yankees and Mets both wearing New York on uh, Saturday night was very special. And then they brawled yesterday. Well, not brawl, but they exchanged words. Benches were cleared. And I'm like, where did that unity go? Uh, you can see that footage on my Instagram, AlexGNYC1, and my TikTok as well. But yeah. The night before in 9-11, they're all united. And last night, Stanton, Lindor, and Baez all chirping at each other. Bench is clear. The bullpen's clear. I was a mess last night in City Field. The game didn't get over till midnight. It started at 8 a.m., so that's just a typical ESPN game. And these games are getting longer. I'm not sure how when they're trying to shorten the game. But I know a lot of you are also focused on what week one was about. And to me, there are a few standouts. Aaron Rodgers, uh, first of all, you thought when New Orleans lost Drew Brees to retirement that they would collapse under Jameis Winston, but no. Jameis Winston, I believe, five touchdown passes yesterday against the Pack. Now remember, Aaron Rodgers came into the season basically checked out, pissed off at management and everything like that. So... To put up a clunker like that in week one is still a bit surprising. And for him himself, you know, he's a very elite quarterback. But to throw, you know, to throw those intos and to have New Orleans roll right over them in Jacksonville, by the way, they had um, been ravaged down there by Ida. And so they had to move their game from the Superdome out to Jacksonville. And New Orleans made themselves at home, winning 38-3 to against the Pack. Other standout games, well, I guess I got, because I'm in New York, I got to talk local. Sam Darnold against his former team, throwing two touchdowns. And his replacement, I guess you'd say, because Zach Wilson is that now, kind of matched him up later in the game, not early on, but matched him stat-wise. Let me get you that, um, those stats for you here. Because I was impressed that the kid could wheel themselves back 19-14, to 14, Carolina won. But let me get you some numbers here. 258 yards, two touchdowns, an interception, sacked six times was Zach Wilson. 20 of 37. Okay. 258 yards, two touchdowns. Sam Darnold, 279 touchdown, uh, yards and one touchdown. Sacked once. Way more accurate, though, 24 of 35. But to see the kid throw a touchdown more than Darnold, I know it's a loss, but there's a silver lining there. 
And they're facing a Patriot team next week that lost their opening game to the Miami Dolphins in New England. And I think that's a telltale sign that the Bill Belichick era is going to go through a bumpy road now. It didn't work out with Cam Newton. Mac Jones, first start. One touchdown, a sack, 29 to 39, 281 yards. Rate of 102.6. Okay, that's a pretty good debut for Mac Jones, if I'm very honest with you. But they lost to Tua and the Dolphins. So it's going to be a barn burner next week. You're going to have these two rookies in against each other next uh, Sunday at MetLife at 1 o'clock. And uh, we'll have to see how that goes. But yesterday felt like just a normal day in NFL football. We're kind of used to the the Giants and the Jets losing on opening day and almost losing every Sunday, if I'm very real with you. But how the Giants lost. I mean, Sterling Shepard was great. Jones was okay. He wasn't fantastic. The defense, although uh, it's right there. Defensively, the you know the Giants only mustered two sacks in the entire game, and Daniel Jones looking at that line that one touchdown sack twice, twenty two or thirty seven, a 90.7 passer rating, which in fantasy probably helped them out. But Teddy Bridgewater, a hundred fifteen point seven passer rating, twenty eight thirty six, two touchdowns, sacked twice. But he got through that giant defense. And so we'll have to see um, whether or not that resurgence of Bridgewater in Denver is for real or not. Week one looked like so. But I don't know what week two will bring for Denver. we got to keep an eye on that. Other stunners, look, the Bears and the Rams last night. I'm following that one too. Bears went with Dalton. Fans were clamoring, clamoring for fields. Only to see Dalton out there most of the time. And see Matt Stafford have a resurgence in Los Angeles. Matt Stafford, yes. The guy we all thought was kind of gone, done. Uh, No, sirree. He's not done. He went 20 of 26, 320 yards, three touchdowns, a rating of 156 passer rating. Guys, he seems to have had a rebound because I remember when he was hurt. When almost every snap, you worried if he got hurt. Well, with the Rams, he's been good. And Jared Goff, the guy that went to the Lions, well, they put up a stinker yesterday. So, really, those games stood out. Mahomes and the Chiefs doing their thing against the Browns. But, and of course, Brady on Thursday night. And tonight, it's the Raiders and the Ravens. But back here, I mean, I I feel like we just expected both teams to lose. Because we're that cynical of a team. We're all excited for opening day. And then, well, when the final buzzer, when the final gun goes off, and the Giants and Jets lose, you're like, well, that made sense. I hope it doesn't make too much sense moving forward. I know that for the Giants, they're retiring two numbers this year. I've talked about it before. But Manning and um, and Strahan 
And I'm just thinking to myself, it's nice to live in those glory years. But this is now. This is Daniel Jones' third season. You got to see something from the kid. I know he had a great passer rating, 90, but you got to see something from the kid or you have to look elsewhere for quarterback situation because you can't keep going with this guy if he struggles. I know they did it with Eli, and Eli was a work in progress every year. They actually stuck with him year in and year out for quite a number of years from 05 to like 9, you know, when he decided to call it quits and after the 19. I think it was the 18 season, actually. So, I don't know. I just, I don't know what to expect from these teams. Uh, Joe Judge, Saleh, Saleh's new. He was the defensive coordinator for the Niners. Comes over here, kind of a rock star entrance into the world. And then, of course, Joe Judge. Patriots vet coming in, you know, after a dismal Pat Shermer era. So we have to see where that all leads to. Now, next hour, it's going to be very cool. Um, the man who is the grandson of Howard Cosell, Colin Cosell, uh, will join me for a longer conversation. Thanks to Lou Terminello for joining on Friday, by the way, for a longer conversation about what it was like living with the name Cosell, becoming a PA announcer for the Mets and a couple other teams, as well as what it was like being around his grandfather, Howard Cosell. So you don't want to miss that next hour. And then, of course, uh, in a couple of months, I, I, I mean, the Djokovic upset at Flushing Meadows is a pretty big deal. How about the fact that teenagers, a teenager won the U.S. Open in women's first time since 1999. Two teens went up against each other and, uh, you know, took and battled in the women's final. Last time it was done, Martina Hingis and Serena Williams. So a lot of history over in Flushing Meadows this, uh, this weekend and this tournament in general. But tell me what your favorite moment of the NFL Week 1 was at alex at alexgnyc.com. You can tweet at me, alexgnyc1, and follow the Sports Hour on Facebook, Sports Hour with Alexander Garrett is how it's called. But tell me what your favorite moment was. Uh, Hop, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, I mean, making that incredible catch in the back of the end zone for Texas. That was a good one. But it just shows you, 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 and my dad says all the time, you cannot predict football. You can't predict football at all because if you try, like last night, do you know a guy bet on this uh, Bear team $45,000? Now, we didn't know what Andy Dalton was going to bring. We didn't know if Justin Fields were going to play. I bet you this better thought that uh, Fields was going to be in way earlier when the wheels were followed off for Dalton, but he wasn't, and the wheels just fell off for the Bears. But imagine betting $45,000 in week one. In week one! We don't even know what this game is going to be like because the, the week one is a litmus test. It's not supposed to be a deciding ground for $45,000 
That is insane. I don't know where this guy came up with the idea. And by the way, if, if, if the Bears won, if the Bears won, uh, the payout would have been over $184,000. And by the way, this was this money was a down payment on a Chicago, uh, a down payment on their house. Do not bet your house down payment on a freaking sports game. I don't care what tournament or league or game it is. That's just stupid. It, that is just outrageous. Because imagine how are they going to get the money now? I mean, they lost this money. And and maybe he lost his house. I mean, how do you spend on a house down payment? If I got a house and did that, I know my girlfriend or wife would be very upset at me because uh, it's a freaking down payment. I'm pretty sure this better might be heading to divorce. I'm just putting that out there. And and the other funny thing to me, and not funny, but the other impactful thing about gambling, and we saw it with the tennis. You know, and Sloan Stevens is some of these guys started sending hate mail to the players. Like, bro, it's you that freaking bet on this, not the players. You can't blame the betting on the players if they lose. I'd say, ever been to uh, Belmont Park? That's an experience. So, Belmont Park or any of the racetracks. The, uh, the jockeys get yelled at if they lose by even just a nose. Because a lot of these guys at the track bet money on these horses and these jockeys. And they're getting derided as they go up the ramp. Sorry. Long night. It was. I was at the game last night, Yankees-Mets. But as they were going up the ramp at Belmont or Aqueduct, they get yelled at by these regulars that just keep gambling their money away on the horses. So, I know it's been said all the time, but I'm going to say it here. If you have a gambling problem, tell them where you feel like putting, I don't know, your house down payment on a freaking football game. You need help. That's not regular. That's irregular. You need a lot of help, bud. And I would recommend you find a gambling hotline to, to figure that ish out. Because I can't, I can't imagine putting down uh, even a ha- even a lease down payment on a football game. That's just wild. But he did it. He obviously lost. And we'll see what you know. I wonder what the story's going to be. You can follow him at White Sox John W S Sox John if you want to get update on it. I just found that out at Bleacher Report. And uh, Bleacher Report on Sunday, uh, every day is great, but Sunday it's pretty good. Obviously, Red Zone's great. And at least he's got the nickname right, because the White Sox... Uh, are, are the winner right now in Chicago. Very much so. Very much so. So... I'm trying to find his Twitter, by the way. 
See if he has it active. After that, oh, there it is. He said, he said after losing, he said on Twitter, okay, I'm going to bed while I still have one. Uh, he said, oh my God, my life is over. Gambling is real, man. Do not bet your house down payment, White Sox, John, ever again. And we can, uh, and, and by the way, this is great. He says he likes the White Sox. He likes other sports, but not every sport. Well, maybe he doesn't really like football because if he bet that, he might just want to try it. But let's all tweet at White Sox John. Actually, give him a little sympathy today because that's that is rough. That is awful. And it's a lesson. Don't bet until you know it's a short thing. But don't even bet at all. Because who would have thought the Packers would lose 38-3? to And if you have Aaron Rodgers on your fantasy team, by the way, we'll get to the Bills also. I mean, that's the other upstate team, and they lost to the Steelers. But for Aaron Rodgers, two picks, a rating of 36.8, 15 of 28, 133 yards. They even brought in their second stringer, I believe the guy they drafted. Love. So, is the establishment quarterback going the way of the wind? I'm going to talk about that next. Is the establishment quarterback going out the window? They're trying it with Dalton in in, uh, Chicago. Trying it with Rodgers still, who's checked out, I think. And, of course, in my view, the golf is, is establishment now, and He's struggling in Detroit. So let's talk about that next on the Sports Hour with Alex Garrett after these messages. And welcome back inside the Sports Hour. You know, I was talking about establishment quarterbacks, and are we really seeing the end of them? Because Andy Dalton doesn't look good. And let's face it, Aaron Rodgers, he's kind of checked out too as I said last segment, but really more so. Remember, he went on vacation when they were supposed to report to camp. Uh, he finally did show up to camp. He just did not really talk to the pack in a while. He felt they treated the veterans on that team well, uh, poorly. And now uh, Green Bay losing 38-3. to Golf too. But there are two quarterbacks that I think buck the idea that the youngsters are it right now that the youngsters are the go-tos I believe one guy up in Buffalo Josh Allen the guy he played against yesterday Ben Roethlisberger is proving that year in and you and Brady of course Brady proves that game in and game out but so does to an extent Mr. Roethlisberger I mean he had a rating of 83.5.9 he had a touchdown and 188 yards, 18 of 32. And he beat Buffalo and Josh Allen, 23 to 16. So he's still around, and that's kind of good to see. I mean, Pittsburgh, I don't know where they go after Big Ben, to be honest with you. 
But then the other uh, guy I'm thinking of is Stafford. He was injured. He was supposed to be out now. Then yesterday he leads the Rams to a 34-14 win. Like, how is that possible without full better rehab? And he, too, is bucking the trend that guys like Daniel Jones, Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, Tua are the are the it right now. I think, for an extent, the it is still the establishment quarterback. I think the Bears, though getting trounced last night, will stick with Dalton because they're not ready for fields. But I think any football team's fan base should hate when a team is an experimental ground and not a ground for winning. Let me say that again. A team should not be an experimental ground. This isn't a laboratory. These are real games. Real fans are going. The fans are back, by the way. Oh, and I was just thinking of Washington in a minute. Because Washington, once again showing, they care more about a name change than the actual stadium. Did you see the sewage flying all over the deck from the upper deck to the lower deck at FedEx Field? Dan Snyder. Who cares about a name change? Your freaking stadium falls apart 20,000 times a year. And that's acceptable because, oh my God, we're not the Redskins anymore? Get the F out of here. In no terms, should a beleaguered playing field be acceptable? Just because a name change uh, appeases a certain group of people in America. Let's, let's, let's not think that way. And uh, I was in a drug match, but no, and FedEx Field, there too, the, the, Reds, the Redskins, the football team, trying to find the right pieces too with Ron Rivera there. And Fitzpatrick, uh, you know, was actually not in. They started Heineke, who did not do bad last year for the Washington football team. And he went one touchdown, a pass rating of 119. 11 to 15, uh, and Fitzpatrick 3 to 6. But yeah, Washington football field. Focus on your freaking field that Joe Burr got hurt, that Alex Smith got hurt. And let's not focus on a name change that a certain sector, not everybody, wants to see changed. Staying in the NFC East, by the way, looking at this score Eagles 32 to 6. Hurts finally being utilized well. Because Doc Peterson, Doug Peterson, at 4-12 and 12 said, I'm done. I'm not even going to help the kid out. Well, he's helping himself out. 126 rating, 27-35, three touchdowns. I think the Eagles have found a future with Hurts. Of course, they all thought they had that future with Wentz when they went 15-0. and 0, And then, boom, week that week, uh, 16, he goes down. 14-0, week 15, he goes down. Leading the way to Nick Foles to lead that team to victory in a, against New England. But if you're looking at conference and then division by division, and of course, you've got the man down in Baltimore tonight in the AFC North for the Ravens. Lamar Jackson, and of course he takes his team to Las Vegas tonight 
to take on the Raiders at 8-15. Las Vegas, of course, second year there. And looking for, or maybe even third year there, looking for a promising season with Carr. And uh, by the way, one other thing about this weekend. Every, every minute I heard, well, it's so good to see the fans back. And it's SoFi Park, where the Rams play, and at the Chargers Stadium, in, also in Los Angeles. Did you not find it awkward? Well, SoFi is shared by the Rams and the Chargers. That makes sense. How awkward was it that these teams had to play in uh, such a big new stadium with nobody there? With the piped-in crowd noise. It was very bizarre. And sad that the first season of these big stadiums, no one was there. So, winning or losing, it was good to see the fans there yesterday. In all the ballparks. Because we missed them. I think some, I heard someone over the weekend say, you know, well, they lost, but thank God the fans are back. Good to see the fans filing out of the stadium. And I'm like, yeah, but you lost 17-7. to Come on now. It is good to see fans back, though. It's good to feel see seats. It was good to be there at City Field last night when it was a sold-out ballpark. That energy I had not seen in City Field. It was like a tinderbox, ready to explode at a moment's notice. That's the kind of sports we need in New York. That's the kind of energy <laughs> we need in New York City. <laughs> and quite frankly, we haven't gotten that energy since really the new stadiums were built. I know the Yanks won in 2009, but most of that season there were still empty seats because who could afford those seats? Most of that season there was just brutal um, weather. Then finally in October they won, but that buzz in the crowd wasn't really there last night. The buzz in the crowd, let's go Yankees, let's go Mets. That was evident. That was there. And that was good to see. And it was good to see the establishment in Novak Djokovic get knocked out. Of course, people want to get one because he's Djokovic. He's elite. But let a guy like Dadili uh, beat him, you know, and beat him at the U.S. Open. Daniil Medvedev defeated one Novak Djokovic. And that was a big deal yesterday. Uh, it was good to see him. And you know, they said that he was over a decade since uh, that he had lost the first set and then won three straight sets to win the U.S. Open. Over a decade that hasn't happened. So kudos to Daniil Medvedev. Djokovic may not have been healthy enough. And overall... Uh, a winner was crowned yesterday in Flushing. And I think that dome made a big difference, as always, because, you know, this Open happened during Ida, and I think they were able to play through it because of the domage. Well, because of the dome stadium of our thrash. Which never used to be lit up like it is now. It looks so beautiful. It looks so beautiful from the outside. And, you know, I saw people leaving this U.S. Open at 12 o'clock workers. I'm like, man, that... 
match ended just a few hours ago, and they're they're still there. Craziness. Well, anyway, speaking, staying in Flushing, we're going to talk with the grandson of Howard Cosell. I could try better Cosell with that. Hold on. The grandson of Howard Cosell. There you go. Uh, Colin Cosell. He gives us his own impersonation of his grandfather, Howard, the legendary broadcaster. And stay tuned for that next on Alex Garrett Podcasting, the Sports Hour with Alex Garrett. And can you dig it? Sports. Talk to you soon.